My name is Adam, and I've never seen The Iron Giant. Welcome back to Fine, I'll Watch It, the movie podcast where we show someone, anyone, a movie they haven't seen that we really feel like they should have at this point. Or sometimes a movie that just none of us have seen. But this week, uh, we have Adam in the hot seat. My name is Bridget, and I'm joined as always by... Johnny. So this week, we are covering 1999's Iron Giant, directed by Brad Bird. Adam... Explain yourself. <laughs> yes, as the uh, resident animation expert, uh, this one has slipped through the cracks, despite nothing but high praise I've heard from every single person who's ever watched it, um, despite having a professor in college who literally worked on it. Mm-hmm. Like, it's on his resume, and I liked that teacher. I was going to say, yeah. I'm like, what? Because you had mentioned that earlier. I was going to ask, so what did the professor do to you? Nothing. He, okay. pa- he passed me, even though my film <laughs> wasn't nearly as good as it probably could have been. <laughs> no, he's a good dude. I remember he had, like, uh, he had, like, the crew jacket from it at one point i think he wore it he's like every you know every semester i always wear it in like for one class or whatever which in georgia at no time of the year is it really is a jacket even necessary is it crew bomber jacket weather yeah there's no burlington co-factory no there's there's no need for it whatsoever so but yeah like for whatever reason it's just that i didn't seek it out then and i didn't ever seek it out afterwards i think it was one of those things where it would have come out probably at the period of time where i was moving away from the animated movies and like oh it's cutie stuff before finally coming Coming back back around yeah exactly so i think i probably got off and i know this isn't a disney movie it's a warner brothers movie but i think i got off like the disney train around Mm -hmm. like the tarzan era which i think is like maybe 97 98 yep Somewhere in that range. So, like, you know, I would have seen Mulan and Hunchback, and I think I saw Tarzan once, and then I would have moved away. So, all those late 90s Disney movies I missed out on, mm-hmm. anything that from any other studio I would have missed out on. So, your Osmosis Jones and oh my God. Uh, things of that uh, things of that ilk, your Treasure Planets, your mm-hmm. um, Titan AE. Titan AE, none of those. Skipped all of them. Just because I was like, oh, I'm 12 now. Like, I'm, <laughs> yes, I'm, that's when you start to be too cool. Uh, yeah, I'm edgy and I'm shopping at Hot Topic at a time when they didn't cater to pop culture. They catered to... To darkness. To darkness. To and, evil. Yeah, to things that matched my inner soul and had sarcastic snarky t-shirts and stuff. So like, I would have been way too cool for, <laughs> for animated movies about a boy and a giant robot that may or may not be an alien or maybe a science experiment gone wrong i don't i don't know i just know it's about a boy and a robot coming together it feels very much like an et vibe like uh you know find a thing and make sure it's safe kind of vibe stranger things last starfight any of those things where it's like i found a thing and i'm the only one who can protect it because the government's gonna dissect it or somebody's gonna use it for nefarious purposes so i wouldn't have been about that optimism in 1999 (laughs) (laughs) Um, I know a few things about it. Uh, I did see just from like looking at the title earlier, Jennifer Aniston does a voice in it. I know that Vin Diesel is the voice of the robot. And I know just from pop culture that I'm probably going to get 
misty-eyed or emotional at the end of it. We'll see how much that plays, knowing that going in, mm-hmm. that it, it has a impactful either final moment or final arc or something. I don't know if it's a sacrifice. I don't know if it's a, I'm going back to my home planet now kind of thing. But I I am prepared for some emotional impact. Probably uh, will hit me harder than any of the emotional impacts of last week's film. Which is... <laughs> <laughs> on absolute deaf ears but um what about you guys what do you know about the uh the iron i mean you've both seen it so what are you, what are your kind of thoughts and history with the iron giant uh for me it was a one and done i don't know why it was a one and done but i have seen it just once i know that for for sure <laughs> uh same reason with like what adam said it was just came out at a time where i was just away from that you know what i mean i wasn't seeking out any sort of animated movies i mean by like the mid 90s i was even even earlier i was getting away from animated movies i mean toy story came out well 95 then yeah Yeah. bugs life and ants like that was like the ones you have to see you have to see that so yeah a lot of those late 90s animated movies like i don't know if i've seen the hunchback of notre dame all the way through i think i've seen mulan i remember liking it I don't remember like when or like where I saw it, but same thing with what Av says. It's gonna you're pretty much on the nose about a lot of like the whole you know government type of yeah. chasing down type of situation. It's definitely reminiscent of like an ET situation, but um, yeah, like I I don't I know Vin Diesel's in it. I don't know or well, it does the voice. Yeah, he's the voice of the robot of the robot, but I don't know if it's more of like. Like, you know, what's-his-face is, like, the voice of, like, like R2-D2 or, like, like it's, like, it's a non-thing. I know. I feel like it's actual dialogue. I don't think he's bleeping and blooping in this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, that's not totally what's happening. But you're, I, I think you're onto something in that this movie has a somewhat large cultural footprint for not being a big hit at the time that it was released, at least financially, but it hasn't been merchandised in the same way if that makes sense i feel like now it's starting to like now because it's hit 20 years Mm -hmm. and it has permeated popular culture like i've granted they make them for everything but i know that there's pops of the iron giant yeah and again it doesn't necessarily need to be an indiana jones to get the pop figure treatment but at least now it seems like okay those kids who would have who would have grown up watching it at five six years old they've now got that disposable income Mm -hmm. and let's go after Let's go after their nostalgia button. Yeah. And make them buy stuff. True. But what about you, Bridget? Oh, um, so I am a little bit younger, so I was still, this movie hit right when I was the, the perfect audience for it. Didn't see it in theaters, but I think it had its cable debut on Cartoon Network. They used to do, like, movie Friday nights, mm-hmm. watching it then, and really liking it seen it a couple times since and it does it's just a really good movie very happy to have this palate cleanser after <laughs> last week's fiasco yeah. uh, which i take full ownership of um i wanted something i knew was gonna be a home run <laughs> yes <laughs> so and this is the right choice it's also it's an interesting movie i think brad bird is an interesting person to look at he gets his start at disney worked as an animator on fox and the hound and the black cauldron then he moves on he's a creative consultant at uh, on the simpsons before he does the iron giant and then he goes on of course to do the incredibles and ratatouille and i think this is just a great example of a kids movie that has some of the disney charm 
he clearly understands the building blocks of animation and, you know, how you convey a story, how you make it compelling, but it still doesn't, it has a little bit more personality. Yeah. Which I think is a nice thing. So, I don't know. Have, is this our first animated movie that we've covered? Yes. Oh. Well, what would we watch that was like a hybrid? Roger Rabbit? Oh, Roger oh, Rabbit. Yeah. That's true. And there was a That's whole sequence true. that was animated. Pretty yeah. Much. But this is the first like full on sure. start mm-hmm. to finish animated movie. Yeah. yeah. So exciting stuff. Where now, I know we talked about it a little bit just in where we were and when we maybe stopped, but do you have a particular favorite uh, animated movie that you would like constantly go back to? Or did, do you prefer Disney animated movies versus maybe some of the other students, like the Don Bluth stuff and maybe some of those other um, competitors, if you will? I was an Aladdin kid. Okay. That was that was the VHS in the heaviest rotation. All of that Disney renaissance was was mm-hmm. huge. Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Lion King, that whole 90s. Yeah, we had all the clamshells. Yeah. All the um, diamond box classes. Exactly. <laughs> From the vault. For, From yeah. the vault, yeah. For a limited time only. Mm-hmm. But even now I enjoy, you know, stuff like Akira, you know, more kind of adult fare. Never went down like the anime mm. road, but I could see myself enjoying it. I just don't. There's only so many roads I can go down <laughs> at once. Um, favorite, though. I don't know. It would be so hard. Because yeah. some of them, too, you, particularly the Disney movies, so much is tied into the songs, yeah. too, which makes it tricky. Yeah, cause but, it's, it's it's about the total package, but it's also about the mood you want to be in to, like, which thing do I want to sing along to? Too. Do I want to mm-hmm. have songs about love or hope or getting out of your circumstances or what have you? So yeah, yeah. that makes sense. What about you, Johnny? What's kind of your animation past as someone who went to the theaters and saw Jurassic Park at six? Right, right, right. Moved yeah. on to Goodfellas at eight. and <laughs> <laughs> Um. I do get picked on all the time in my family because the first movie that I absolutely loved when I was a kid was Lady and the Tramp. That was like the first one that I watched. Was like, a good one. Why and so I, I, I called it. I, I called it just Puppy. And oh. I wanted to watch Puppy. <laughs> and I think we went through like three or four copies because I just just the tape just got destroyed. Yeah, being watched so so much. Yeah. Um, and then poor I think puppy. I know poor Puppy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then yeah, I. I was always gravitated more towards the ones that didn't have the song numbers in it. So I always I liked some of like the like the Great Mouth Detective, the Rescuers. Um, I liked all of Don Bluth stuff. The major ones were always like good, but I suppose I never watched like a like Lion King. I didn't really watch Lion King a lot. I didn't watch like Aladdin a lot. Mm-hmm. But to your point, Adam, I really started gravitating more towards once I saw like E. T. I was like, wow, this is like the possibility of things that look real to me, not animated. And that's kind of, yeah, I started going down that road, started hanging out with Zach more. He started showing me shit like child's play and stuff. So yeah, I got removed from animation pretty quickly. As far as like Disney movies, I kind of like like the, the, the under the radar ones. Yeah. I always loved great mouse detective. That's probably one of my favorites. I love all the beauty and the beasts and Aladdin's and yeah. And everything. But I, I did always like, like going back to the Great Mouse Detective, just think that was a super fun one. But I mean, I saw pretty much everything as a kid. You know, all the way from your, like you said, the Rescuers, but also the Fern Gullies. Oh yeah, Fern Gully. Yeah, would watch. Yep. Yeah, the Five Ols. You know, Five Ol Goes West. Yep. Uh, American Tale. Five. 
Uh, yeah. All those were good. Because those were the kinds of things that, like, a guy was a person that went to daycare. Like, that was, you know, my childcare experience. And so that was always a thing that gets thrown on. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's it's raining out. We can't go to the playground. Like, let's random, go west. Random animated movie <laughs> from yep. <laughs> from the early '90s. So like you you saw everything at mm-hmm. least once, and most of them are you know ingrained into my brain. But just because this one was so much later, um, and then even now, like I did I did take a real big break from the animated movies. I mean, I know that it was. When I went as an animation major in college, I was definitely a little bit on the outs because I hadn't seen a lot of the things that maybe these other animation diehards who had stuck with it the whole time. Like, it wasn't until the sequel came out a couple years ago that I even saw the first Incredibles. Mm -hmm. Just because I was like, even though it's superheroes, it's animated, like, it should have been right in my wheelhouse slam dunk home run. Yeah. I just was like, no, 2004, like... I'm a, you know, I'm about to go off and, you know, be an adult and whatever. Sure. And like, just would I'm not going to see that kids movie, but obviously those things, and especially the Pixar stuff that they've been doing for the last twenty something years, has all been incredible, looking great. Even if they're generic stories, like they tug at the heartstrings in the right way. So I mean, I've gone back now and I've caught up on a lot of those things that I probably missed in that in that middle period of like my tweens and teen years so i i love animation i just think it's fun growing up you think like oh animation is for kids and then the second i can see someone get stabbed in the throat i'm I'm all on board for that like give me the blood give me the violence give me punching give me live action give me all that Uh, but there's something nice about just seeing a fun magical colorful world and not everything needs to be gray and just like you know down and Like it can just be fun and it can just be a thing that's lighthearted and it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be gritty. It can just be imagination inducing and that's, that's all good stuff. Right. So I, uh, I don't know if I have any recent favorites. Some of the Disney animation stuff that isn't Pixar is good. I really liked Wreck-It Ralph. Uh, Tangled was a lot of fun, but I try to, you know, usually see any of the Disney Pixar stuff. I don't really go so much for the other competitors now like i'm not a big illumination person i never saw any of the despicable me's or minions franchises trolls yeah i didn't see trolls did you see the emoji movie i did not see the emoji movie adam i know we'll have to throw that on the list i guess no (laughs) we'll make johnny watch the emoji movie but that's a fever dream for you there but patrick stewart voices of poop (laughs) that's all i know about that movie um you have to find a guest to have that Um, yeah, so, but I haven't gone in back to see any of those other, like, competitor ones. I don't know, they just don't strike me as being as good. If I hear it's good, I'll go out and see mm-hmm. it, or I'll catch it when it comes to video. Like, I think I saw Secret Life of Pets, because I heard that was good, and it was fun. Um, but I'm not, like, I'm not going to see Sing, you know, I'm not going to see, or Sing 2, or any of those, those other kind of just, like, I don't uh, know what that is. It's a bunch of animals doing American Idol, I think, is the yeah. basic gist of it. Oh, no. It's like, I'm a koala, and I, I want to sing, but koalas don't sing in this yeah. world of anthropomorphic pe- animals. Oh, no. <laughs> so he has to rise above his station and win American Idol. I, I think that's the gist of yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> essentially. Different animals coming together. Like, yeah. am I actually worthy to sing Katy Perry's Firework? Yeah. That sort of thing. Oh, God. Okay. Like, yeah, I'm a rhinoceros, and I don't look anything like... Whoever Katy Perry is in this universe, but <laughs> I deserve, God damn it, to, to sing these songs. Jeez. So yeah, no, I never saw that one. I got the gist of it though. It seems. Yes. 
What was there one like over the fence, under the fence, a bunch of animals? Like, over the that, hedge. Over the hedge. Yeah, I did see. Oh, what was that one? Back when we were doing Critics and Friends, I I watched Nomeo and Juliet. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote a review for that. Oh, did you? <laughs> yeah, I think if those archives exist somewhere. I think I wrote a review for Romeo and Juliet. It was quite fun. It was the story of Romeo and Juliet told by lawn gnomes set to the soundtrack of Elton John. So, what a... Say less. Yeah. <laughs> say less. <laughs> what a sentence you never thought you'd say. Um, but that one was kind of fun. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited for this. I, you know, I like The Incredibles. I liked Incredibles 2. So that was also Brad Bird. I didn't see his Mission Impossible movie, mostly because I fell off of that franchise after 3. Hmm. But, I mean, they still kept making them after that, so it couldn't have been They're really bad. good, yeah. yeah. Um, he, he did Ghost Protocol. Did you see Ghost Protocol? I think I've seen the last, like, few, yeah. Okay. Yeah. He did Tomorrowland 2. I didn't I like I, that movie. I, didn't I see didn't it. see it. Yeah, it was it was okay. It was just one of those things where I think their grand idea was bigger than their execution of, oh man, if the world just didn't bicker and fight, like we would live in Tomorrowland at Disney World and everything would be great. We'd have that 1950s idealized future world if only it wasn't for, I don't know, one of the 50 million reasons they would have picked at the time to be an allegory for the real world strife of the war somewhere mm-hmm. or the global warming somewhere, you know, whatever hot button issue in 2011 was a big deal for. Was for there them. a space mountain in it? Um, no, I don't think so. It wasn't like a pirates of the Caribbean or jungle cruise where like, all right, we're trying to mimic the environment of right. the but actual land. But the most popular ride in Tomorrowland, I believe is space mountain. No, it's the Carousel of Progress. (laughs) The Carousel of Progress. Obviously. It's a very slow-turning Lazy Susan where you sit in a seat and they show you what the people in the 50s thought was the future. That's obviously it. Which I do think is closed now, unfortunately. But no, Space Mountain is the best. It's so good. I'm a a Splash Mountain girl, but... It's a different land, though. Oh, oh, that's true. Oh, never mind. See, I don't know. Like, I just... (laughs) it's a different area of the park sorry the adult disney fans are screaming oh god their headphones (laughs) first annette then (laughs) yeah we're 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 making enemies of everybody i know everyone loved annette except for us (laughs) lots of people know what's in tomorrowland and we know two things there's also a buzz light year ride you shoot aliens laser guns i am oh is tomorrowland where the scary alien ride was Yes, yes. Okay. which is now the less scary Lilo and Stitch ride, which is now also maybe closed. But Alien Encounter was really scary. So yeah, good. Was. I remember that. That hit me real hard as a kid. But we're, we're digressing. It's <laughs> 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 okay. How do you guys feel about Gene Hackman? <laughs> I like him. Solid actor. Um, good yeller. Yeah. I mean, is there anything else that you guys want to go over about animation or Brad Bird or this movie before we sit down to watch it? No. All right. Well, then fine. I'll watch it.
Hi everyone, we are back. We just finished The Iron Giant. Adam, how are you feeling? I'm feeling really good. That was good. really sweet. That was a nice, cute, short, fun <laughs> little movie. Uh, it was very nice after how long last week felt. Uh, mm-hmm. This one was a nice, brisk, you know, 88 minutes or whatever it ended up being. And it was just a, a really nice story. Uh, I liked a lot of things about it. We'll touch on all of it. Um, I didn't get emotional as I thought okay. it. I don't know if that's because I expected to maybe mm-hmm. going in. You know, normally it hits you a little bit harder when you're not sure that the the gut punch is is coming. Um, so I don't know if it was necessary that I was kind of prepared for potential heartbreak. But I also kind of again knowing the similarities to other things, your ETs and your yeah. your other little boy finds thing he shouldn't and <laughs> befriends it kind of thing. Um, you know to expect that going into those kinds of movies nowadays, having seen those other things. So I think having that knowledge, not necessarily of what was going to happen, though I did say it's probably a sacrifice or a killing or what have you, <laughs> um, that I knew about it, but it didn't it didn't hit me. So I'm not sure if it's that or if it's just I was way too prepared or I didn't think that it was really going to die because it had the self-healing thing like... I thought the self-healing thing would come back, but I thought it would be way more ambiguous than it ended up being. I really thought this was going to end on the little extra ear bolt rolling away. And you're like, oh, okay, I, he's probably fine. Yeah. But but no, like full on eyes open, robots okay. Um, so it, it almost didn't give me time to like let it hit me. Like I was sad when he flew away, knowing that he was going to sacrifice himself and everything. But it didn't, I didn't get any... Uh, any misties, you know, I didn't yeah. smell any pepper or smoke. <laughs> I didn't get anything like that. Uh, but overall, just a really nice, sweet movie. Um, how about you guys? You would now, neither of you had seen it recently, right? Not in the past. We covered how five, ten years, probably. Okay. How's it sitting for you now in, upon rewatch? Great. I definitely had not realized how similar this movie is to E.T. And probably why I liked it um, when I did see it. Um, A little misty. A little misty. Not full on. Just a slight (laughs) mistiness. Slight spritz. Light spritz. I did a lip pout. I think that was the extent of like, oh, the poor guy. But I did the same face when I saw this sad drawing at the beginning. <laughs> Dude, that's good stuff. Dude, that's when it started for me. I was like, oh, no. Um, but there were, it wasn't necessarily at the end, but there there was a different scene. Knowing what happens and knowing some of the the background of this movie that made me a little misty. But we'll get to that when we get there. Okay. How did you feel? Uh, yeah, I have probably not seen it since it came out or around that time. Mm-hmm. Really enjoyed it. I, I like it a lot. Yeah, very similar to E.T. It takes, you know, liberties with other movies and things like that. Really like the animation in this movie a lot. Yeah. It looks really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had to quickly look it up because I like that style of animation where they started using, like, digitally doing things mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. using things that, you know, like, the movement of the Iron Giant and vehicles mm-hmm. and other things. Obviously, the, the people are like look like the more hand-drawn. And not sort of like uh, zeros and ones, you know what I mean, in a computer. <laughs> but yeah, really good, really tight, economical movie. Really like the third act of this movie. It really gets you know dramatic work. The first two acts are very silly in nature for the most part. Yeah, I enjoyed it. It's it doesn't blow me away like other animated movies I've seen in the past. And again, 
digesting it as an adult. Maybe he's a little different, obviously, but very, very, very solid debut for uh, for Brad Bird, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and to your point, it didn't, again, it didn't blow me away either. Don't know if that's just because, again, seeing it as an adult, is it different than seeing it had I been, you know, five to... 14 or whatever, you know, stretch of... I would have watched the shit out of this if I watched it at like 5 or 6 years old. Oh my god, this thing would have hit me so hard and it would have been probably my favorite movie of all time had I seen this at the right time. Uh, Doesn't take anything away from it now, obviously, but it's just a nice, sweet movie. It's nice to look at, too. Yeah. really like the aesthetic. Mm -hmm. So not just the animation style, which you're right. It's really good with the blending of 2D and 3D stuff. Um, But I I didn't realize this was set in the 50s. I just assumed it was uh, at the time. Because all I'd ever seen is the giant. And that aesthetic could have been out of anything. Like, it could have taken place in 1999. But... It was a robot built because the aliens in the, you know, however far away are finally getting 50s TV. Mm-hmm. And so they're designing it that, you know what I mean? <laughs> like that can happen sometimes. So I didn't know that this would take place in the 50s, but I really like how they kind of nailed that small town 50s vibe. All the cars are right. All the outfits are right. Diners and heavy October sky vibes. Yes. Very oh, much. so. Yes. Yeah. And Maine as the setting too is, is great. Is great. Cause you have the, big pines you have the ocean you you have rockwell which is like a little mayberry in a way Mm -hmm. you get the whole spread yeah this wouldn't have worked if they tried to mimic the superman allegory too far like if he had landed Mm -hmm. in kansas he's not hiding in no yeah i was gonna say he's not gonna hide in the corn there he goes (laughs) yeah yeah this is it's gonna be very very... high tall pine trees to hide this cat exactly so but that's a clever way in which to say Okay, a giant robot lands in 1957. How do we hide that? There's no skyscrapers in rural towns. Like, there's no big buildings that you go after. It's all still just Main Street and the surrounding neighborhoods. And, like, that's it. There's no, you know, there might be some bigger buildings now in Rockwell, Maine. But not, obviously not that height. But still, it's not going to work if you're on the prairie with all these, like, flat, <laughs> you know, hundreds of thousands of miles, all you can see is the horizon line kind of thing. Right. You can't hide a giant that way. We did get a couple cows, though. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, there's still farmland. Yeah, yeah. But no, the trees worked out really well, so I liked the setting of it. I liked the whole 50s vibe to it. That was nice. Like, the everyone still kind of believes that there's something bigger out there. Whereas, like, now everyone would be like, no, nah, it's fake to... Publicity for a new movie, like, uh, whatever. But, like, mm-hmm. back then people believed in Sputnik was a spy satellite that was going to shoot laser beams at us, and ray guns are real. And so I think the timing of it also helps lend credence to this kind of big fantastical thing, which was nice. Nice. So do we want to just go through sort of beat by beat? How do we want to tackle this? Let me take that back. Actually, that's not what we're doing. Okay, um fine. I'll cut out that part. So, <laughs> I I think this movie is very interesting, and the the source material that it comes from is interesting. So it is based on a book. Yeah. See, I didn't know that going in. Not that it would have changed anything because I wouldn't have read the book. I haven't heard of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, that wasn't part of my pre existing notions of how. Oh, okay, this came from. Something how old else. is the book? 
it was written in 1968. Okay, so it's really kind of around the time, or whatever, 10, 15 years later. Yep. So it's written by the poet Ted Hughes, who's married to Sylvia Plath. And after she died by suicide, he wrote this novel as a sort of bedtime story way to comfort his children. Goes on to be fairly successful. Pete Townsend of The Who is a big fan of it. He ends up writing a concept sort of rock opera of it. Which is already added to my library to listen to later. <laughs> now that I know that it exists. Um, so, going to get deep into that one. <laughs> get into that. And so, 1989, that's released. So, about 91 is when this movie starts to get shopped around to various people. And initially, the adaptation is going to be sort of when you think about the traditional Disney model of the time, a, a musical adaptation. So it would have been very different from the movie that we ended up Was it getting. always going to be like animated or are they considering it being live action? Animated, yep. Okay. Brad Bird is brought on in the mid-90s, I think around 97, and he throws out the whole musical aspect. And initially Pete Townsend is like, well, whatever, I got paid. <laughs> so that's fine. Um, but he actually said he really liked the movie adaptation. Okay. Um, Brad Bird ends up pitching this movie to Warner Brothers as, I want to get the right quote, what if a gun had a soul and didn't want to be a gun? I feel like I've heard that mm-hmm. line before. I don't remember where, though, but I feel like they mm-hmm. must have been talking about this, or he did it in an interview where he talked about it. But that is a really, I like that line yeah. a lot. And there's a sort of, you know, anti-violence, anti-gun theme that runs through this, too, because at the same time he was making this movie, Brad Bird's sister was murdered by her estranged husband and like a terrible like murder-suicide. And so that was running through the whole, like, building the story and, like... So there's all these themes like dark. Yeah, 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 dark. Um and and sad, but also there's these these moments in the movie which are just very like you can choose what you want to be, everything good has a soul, your soul lasts forever that I just think are you know, this is a movie that you can enjoy on a kid level of I would love to have a fun robot friend yeah. who can shoot missiles and you can enjoy it on an adult level of oh my god, you can love someone and have them go on kind of thing. And it's crazy, too, to think the bookends of both the original creation of the book is based on Mm -hmm. death of a loved one. And then the person making the movie experiences the death of a loved one during that process. You always hear about things like, oh, all the creepy stuff that happened when we were filming The Crow and like all these, you know, all these things that kind of mimic the real life implications of either a story or the creation of said story that kind of permeate through. And it's just... Super eerie stuff to to hear about, like mm-hmm. how these things yeah. happen to come together that way. And I don't know, I don't know enough about Hughes's book to know how closely the style of writing, like if there's anything from the book that we hear word for word in this movie. Yeah. But he was alive during the production; he was able to see early parts of it, and he apparently loved it, okay. which makes me feel like okay. These are two people going through somewhat similar experiences, grieving, loss, yep. and that he felt it was a true adaptation. Yeah, because there, I mean, there are so many times where you hear about authors or you know creators of any kind seeing their work be adapted into a different medium and just being like, nope, they like they commercialized it. It lost all the heart. It lost all the soul. It lost all the meaning. It lost all the symbolism. Yeah. Like everything that it was was stripped away, and now it is just. 
what if a boy had a pet robot? Yeah. That it could have been. It that could movie. have been. Well, the studio they wanted initially, they were like, I don't know, we should move it to modern day, and we should have a hip hop soundtrack. Oh boy, no. We should make it real hip. Yeah. No, I mean that's a big theme of the movie is being a hip, cool cat. Yes, <laughs> don't do, wig out. <laughs> I, just, I do love Hogarth just constantly trying to like seem cool to this Dean. absolute deadbeat beatnik <laughs> runs like a junk shop. Because, like, as a kid in the 50s, you probably would have thought greasers were the bee's knees, and you would have done everything. The bee's knees. <laughs> you would have done everything that you could to, like, seem cool, especially for him, because he's, you know, he doesn't have a father figure around. Like, it's just him and his mom, and any adult man who'll give him the time of day is probably the coolest dude on the planet. So I totally get that. It's a fun yeah. That's a fun little vibe to it. I was trying to see if there was anything that, like, listed differences or what have you, but it seems like all the... The themes made it into the movie from the yeah. There's some more the book. Yeah, the one major difference that I know of in the book, it's not a missile, it's a magical dragon from space. Oh, so it's much more Godzilla versus Mothra. Oh, I like that less. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I'd entertain have to... it. <laughs> Johnny's like, well, you said Godzilla. I perk up a little bit. It does yeah. seem right up your alley. Yeah, I would. I mean, I, I'm actually interested. In reading this, it's, it's only 59 pages, it seems like. So it's a very, more of a novella than than anything else. So I might actually uh, give, this yeah, a, get, give this a look. Check that out on Hoopla. Yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. E, the e-book rental. <laughs> yeah, The Iron Man, a, children, a Children's Story in Five Nights. Yeah, that could be fun. I do think it was the right decision to drop the musical aspect, though. I do not think this would have worked. No. With a disnified break for song and dance. Because you know the robot would have got a song. Yeah, and I just want Vin Diesel's very strange voice. Yeah. You were <laughs> like, right, though. It's not necessarily straight talking, but it's also not bleeps and bloops. It kind of moves in and out of that as he's, like, learning words and understanding mm-hmm. words. Yeah, there were only a couple of times where, like, that sounds like Vin Diesel. Other than that, I was like, they kind of could have got anyone. Yeah, he didn't say family in this movie, so. No. <laughs> yeah, like... But this is very akin to him voicing Groot. Yes. In the Guardians of the Galaxy franchise, where, like, you don't really hear it. Maybe you kind of hear it, depending on the inflection, until there's, like, one line where you're like, oh, okay, I hear it now. It, it all makes sense to mm-hmm. me. And I think in this one, it was when he was like, I'm not a gun. Yeah. And then I think there was, like, when he was like, you stay, I go. I'm like, okay, I can hear Yeah, it when he's doing, like, full sentences all that. Yeah. yeah Anytime it's just one word, you're never going to catch yeah. that. And obviously, it's a little different, too, because Vin Diesel's only you know, 20-something or whatever, late 20s, maybe early 30s in 1999. Because mm-hmm. he's still two years ahead of Fast and Furious at this point, yeah. though he's a year or two past Saving, Saving Private, Private Ryan. Ryan. Yeah. His voice isn't necessarily as like ingrained from that time period as it is hearing the word family now. Yes. <laughs> so that's cool, though. That's a really That's a really interesting backstory for a children's movie. I would be interested to know how many like Disney movies are born from suicide and death. And like, I know some yeah. of the like Hans Christian Andersen, like fairy tales kind of stuff is darker and probably did, but like to have yeah. the main story be created by immense personal pain. Yeah. Um, is a different kind of spin on it. I don't think a Disney version would have worked had they had the rights yeah. to it. Song or no song. I still think it would have been a bit too chipper. 
Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, this has the moments of levity, like, there, you know, the, the guy flipping over the goofy face. I was going to say the pot holder. We were all... That oh, that's good stuff, yeah. Because yeah. he just, he gets absolutely embarrassed on the phone, looks like an absolute rube, and then turns, and this fucking oven mitt is just tongue out, googly eye. Looks like a Picasso-style oven mitt. Yeah, just completely mocking him, even though, like, it's an oven mitt, it's not yeah, yeah. This isn't an oven... In the Disney movie, it would have been an oven man being like, you're a loser! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's why I love that it, it wasn't a Disney movie, because all those regular hallmarks, and plus, I think this must have been, like, like PG, or was this G? Because... Uh, PG. I would figure with the guns, and mm-hmm. some of the dams, and the hells, and mm-hmm. the smoking. Yeah, the smoking. It's uh, nice to see that, because it just it makes it more enjoyable as an adult. It's not... Yeah, it doesn't feel completely sanitized. Right. Yeah, like when he when he first gets what is like the squirrel or whatever in his pants, and he goes, "Excuse me, ladies and gentlemen." That was really that was funny. Yeah, I hate to do this. I hate to Just do this. Zipper noise, squirrel jumps out. Yeah, yeah. Chaos ensues. Yeah, you never pull you wouldn't yeah. squirrel out of your pants in a Disney movie. I don't think. Yeah, that's yeah. You'd shake it out the leg, you know, but you wouldn't. It would yeah. You Nobody's hear- pants would get unzipped. There's a lot of bathroom jokes in this movie. There's a lot of bathroom jokes. Oh man, when he's Pretending to go to the bathroom because he was trying to usher the hand spider out the window. <laughs> yeah, we got a little idle hands action Should, in this movie. Yeah. Cousin It. <laughs> right. Right? That's Cousin It's the hand, or is that the one with all the hands? Uh, oh, that's, yeah, Cousin It thing is, is Thing the is yeah. the hand. Yeah, that's what it is. I was like, all right, I know. I, I, I was picking up what you were putting down. It and yeah. Thing are kind of, yeah. they live in the same. Yeah. Adam's family house. Grammatical. Yes. <laughs> yes. In the, the same, Adam's family household. It's the same mansion. Same family. Yeah, we're in the same mansion. Okay. Um, but I thought that was so funny. Especially because the uh, Kent or Dent or whatever his name was, like, sticks his head in. And oh. you're like, it's just looking at this little boy, like, taking a poo. And it's like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah. And, like, his head just gets smushed as mom shuts the door. Yeah. He's got a giant Conan O'Brien dome. <laughs> <laughs> The whippy hair and everything. That was a great casting, though. Christopher McDonald for that. Yeah. I like all the voice casting. Yeah, they're all, all the voices are really good, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who's, I, the, who's the kid? Do we... I kind of recognize it, but... I, yeah, the it feels familiar. So the kid's name is Eli uh, Marienthal. Okay. I don't think I know. Yeah. You wouldn't know the name. The only thing that I saw outside of some other voice work that you would definitely probably know him from is he's Stifler's younger brother in the American Pie movies. Oh, So he's shit. always the one that, like, shows up and is like, hey, yeah, I'm going yeah, to the yeah. party. He's like, get yeah. out of here. You're you're 14. Like, leave. And that he's in American Pie 1 and 2. Yeah, fuckers, fuckers, fuckers. Yeah. yeah. And then it's just, you know, some other uh, voice work, but not a ton of stuff. He was in the movie Jack Frost before this movie. Oh, is he the son in Jack Frost? I don't know. It doesn't, And it doesn't say a last name. Let's see. I'm looking at the poster now. Who voiced Dean? Can't tell. Harry, Harry Connick, Connick Jr. Jr. Okay. Which, when I was listening to it, it didn't it didn't peg me right away. All right. He's not the kid. The kid, he's, so he must be a bully or something. Yeah. Or whoever else is in that movie. He's the kid when Jack Frost is snowboarding. Go, like, Maybe. Yeah. It's pro- <laughs> it, honestly, just, it probably Just staring is. agape. Yeah. Yeah, it didn't strike me as a Harry Connick. Not that his voice is instantly recognizable to me, but it sounded like a lot of different people. Mm-hmm. To where I, no matter who it was, I would have believed it. To where like, oh, that sounds, okay. Yeah, I don't know, that kind of sounds like him. Yeah. But I wouldn't have pegged Harry Connick. But he did great. I love yeah. his, 
It, that dude's whole vibe was crazy. I got like a Matthew Perry, Matt LeBlanc type of vibe from like the two of them together. Yeah. Yeah. Like he looked like Matt LeBlanc, but acted like Matthew Perry. <laughs> I know. He is supposed to be a beatnik from the 50s. I also love that they animated, he, they gave him floppy 90s hair in, right. in the 50s. Yeah, I don't think that he necessarily would have had five o'clock shadow in the mm. 50s. I feel like that dude would have either had a full on beard. Yeah. Or he would have been completely clean shaven with like the greaser do, like mm-hmm. the, the little Superman twirl. If right. you want to continue the metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> um and Jennifer Aniston too. Yeah, she was good and she didn't well. sound I super... did I totally forgot about it. I didn't even give credence to who the woman was being voiced, but that was Jennifer Aniston. That was Jennifer Aniston. Yeah. Alright, so we're talking about friends here. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that's why I like I knew her going in and as soon as she started talking, like obviously like I pinged that to be her. But at no point was I just like I'm listening to Jennifer Aniston talk. Like I completely lost it in the the character because it's not just her regular voice. It was different inflections, it was different Yeah, maybe that's why I didn't pick up on it. I just didn't sound like didn't sound like Rachel. Yeah. The dude on the boat, his face is super recognizable to me, but he's in a must be a million things. Because his voice was also recognizable. Uh, oh, I thought you said... This is the cartoon's face was recognizable. <laughs> well, it, to be fair, it kind of does look like this guy. Yeah, uh, okay. But I'm looking at the IMDb picture. Okay, gotcha. Okay. But his voice was recognizable to me in the movie. Um, but I can't I can't place him. And then uh, Frazier's dad is in this, too. He's the general. The general, yep. Okay. Leachman's in this. Uh, I think she's the teacher. Who's like, don't make me come over there. Right, right, right. Uh, the Diesel we already got... Trying to think if there's anybody else that um, jumps out. Uh, Brad Bird had Ollie and who's the other famous Disney animator? Like part of the Big Nine. Oh, I don't remember. The, like the two that were buddies, they play the train conductors essentially. Oh, okay. So that's why they look like them as well. Okay. That nice. scene was really funny to me. Just like him, like just OCD, making sure it's like. Gotta get it, gotta get it. That was cool, though, that he had uh, self-fixing. I didn't know that that was going to be a thing. Having only ever seen the look of the character or the model or whatever. Right. No idea what its power set was. I just assumed it was walking giant thing, and naturally people want to destroy it. That didn't. I didn't need it to have more than that. But the fact that it had self-healing, which was cool, that was an aesthetic I didn't think was going to be a part of it. So when it got blown up by the train, I was like, oh, shit, like, is the greaser going to put this back together with his primitive 1950s tools? Like, is he going to go work on Cadillac yeah. to this? That doesn't seem right. This is where we would have got a Grease Lightning style song in the Disney movie. Right, yeah. Oh my gosh. Gotta yeah. fix a robot. Gotta fix my robot. Uh, <laughs> oh, the. It would have been awful. Yeah. yeah. The cappuccino would have really, or the espresso would have yeah, had a, a number two. Yeah. Yeah. It would have been bouncing off the walls. Bouncing off the wall. The kid would have been the bouncing ball on the sing-along tape. If it was hip-hop, he'd be, like, spitting <laughs> rhymes like Eminem. Like oh, <laughs> Just absolutely just going <laughs> mile a minute. Yeah, eight mile, yeah. <laughs> Part of me wants to see these, like, alternate cuts. Kind of, yeah. Like, I don't. I don't want that to be the thing that exists. But I don't I want, want the someone, public to see it. I you just, just want to yeah. look into the alternate universe yeah. where yeah. that got made. Yeah, yeah. I want the the uh, the what if machine where I can just be like, okay, what if that first version was made? See, that version lives in Annette's world. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just an absolute bonkers yeah. off the wall kind of thing. No, like I like part of me wants to see it just to know if it's as 
cringy as I think it would be or as try-hardy as I think it would be, both the musical version and the hip-hop version. Mm-hmm. But I I want those as, like, companion uh, extras on a DVD, where it's like, buy the new 30th anniversary Iron Giant Blu-ray in 2029. It comes with not one, not two, but three versions of this film, two of which you've never seen before. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Like, I don't want it to be the thing that carries through. Like, I'm glad that pop culture is the way it is, and this works... And this is a good movie, but I really do kind of want to see yeah. what I assume to be the train wrecks. Yeah, that makes me curious if there was ever like a like a like a high profile movie where it was originally musical and like maybe just had a few numbers in it and they just cut it out and just went straight for like a dramatic or comedy or whatever. I feel like we've talked about one movie recently where there was something like that where it's like we originally had some songs playing and then we cut the songs and then made it a hard uh-huh. hard drama. <laughs> I don't remember yeah. what it would have been. I don't mean but... to get away from the movie, but it's made, it makes me wonder. No, it's always cool to think yeah. about like the alternate versions of things. And I mean, we've talked about it before with like, what if this person was cast instead? What would that movie have been like? How would it have changed with their style or their input and feedback? And what would we have gotten? Right. Probably would always be worse than whatever it is that we get. Because most of the things that we're watching specifically for this are good. Some things <laughs> notwithstanding. <laughs> Um, but no, that was, uh, I liked the self-fixing. I also liked the battle mode at the end. Yeah. I did not think he was going to have multiple forms. I'm honestly surprised I've never seen that version before. Like I would have thought again, now that we talked about more merch coming out for it, I'm really surprised there's, I didn't see a thing like here's a giant three foot tall PVC statue of the, the iron giant in its battle mode form with lasers and tentacle arms and all kinds of electricity things and stuff like that coming out of every which way. I couldn't believe I hadn't seen that before. That was really cool. It's a big yeah. fan of that. Design. Yeah. Yeah. Very reminiscent of later on with the Incredibles with that thing that yes. rolls to the city. Mm-hmm. It's true. This, this, like, this seems like one of these things and I know we talked about it with I think it was seven where it's like, this seems like the prototype for this person's later work Mm -hmm. where I saw a lot of the Incredibles in it. I saw a lot of, you know, those ideas and things that were taken. And then same thing with Tomorrowland. Like I see a lot of that. And granted that one's more about like that retro fifties future, which is this in a nutshell. So it's kind of cool to see this as the prototype for those other projects that I have already seen, which again, is just speaks to how filmmakers can grow and take, the themes that work and apply them in different ways to make new things. That's just intriguing stuff. Kind of touched on our favorite moments a little bit. I think each of us, any low moments, anything we didn't like felt like there was room for improvement. The movie's like really safe, like in a good way. Yeah. I think Mm -hmm. it doesn't really try to pull anything crazy. Um, I'm glad that we didn't really get, like, a big backstory about why we have a single mother situation or yeah. single parent situation. A, a brief, for a brief second, we do see a framed picture of what looks like his father standing next to okay. a plane. I, I missed that. Yeah. It's um, during the, the night watch scene. It's it's a so quick thing uh, that you would miss. Okay. You would miss it if you blink, but... Um, that was the only thing that I saw. So maybe he was from in the military or died yep. in a war or something like yeah, that. Yeah, Korea. Or something like that, yeah. Mm-hmm. I kind of would have liked to get that, especially if that's what they were would have gone with is a military background. Just because the military coming in at the end is such a big thing where, you know, 
obviously the Hogarth is wearing that like a that old style aviator hat with the goggles. So like that could have been his dad's, or he could have had that because of his dad because he always admired it. Like I wonder if there would have been something, and it might be too heavy for a kids movie mm-hmm. where. He's always loved the military and everything because that was his dad and his dad was a hero. And now here is the military again, but they're kind of his enemy because they want to take down his friend and his pet and his brother, essentially, or whatever. And it could have very well been in like one of the original cuts. Yeah. They could have had all that stuff. And that shot in particular was just – it was already animated. It was there. It was, it was something that we had to show him grabbing something off the dresser. And the picture just had to be there. Hmm. Their intention was probably to completely wipe the entire – backstory out but maybe something like that was just had to be left in yeah and i think i i get the impression that like okay so we let's imagine hogarth is what between what 10, ages yeah 10 10, 10 10 12 I don't you know. know like his father has i get the sense that his father has been gone for a long time mm-hmm. just the dynamic of him and his mom you know what i mean like it's she's they're at the very, end of a rope she's not uh, uh, this is my job i started a year ago and yeah. i'm just learning on my feet it's God, I've been single mom waitressing for eight years, and he's not. Yeah, she seems happy enough where whatever, whenever he left, has been like yeah. a while. It happened a while ago. Yeah, it's an established dynamic. Yeah, you know, and that's just what it is. I don't know. Yeah, I couldn't get the sense, and I don't know if it's just because other things where like diner mom seems so much more like not defeated, but it seemed like. More like maybe a dad left than a dad died. Oh, see, I get, and maybe just because of all the death yeah. themes running through it, I'm like, oh, he died probably before Hogarth even knew him. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I could see it either way. It would have been nice to have some kind of implication, but it's not, the story's not about yeah. the family dynamic. If there was any more interplay between the struggles of don't run off, don't go to bed, like if there was tension between mom and son... I would want to know that because it mm-hmm. would play to why why they have this animosity, why – like if he left and every time she looks at Hogarth, she sees those same eyes and she can't handle that. Yeah. Or he died and she's sad every time because she sees her you know, husband that she misses or whatever. Like that could play into it. But because there wasn't any real conflict between the mom, which I am really glad about. Yeah. So many times with a single mom story, it becomes – so many scenes of, I don't believe you about the robot. Stop lying. I'm spanking you. You're grounded. Like, mm-hmm. whatever other 50s punishment. Stop being so selfish. Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm doing everything in this family and you're, you know, you're off with your head in the clouds and blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm so glad there was none of that stuff. And I think that points to what you're saying, Johnny, about it being safe. But in a good way where another movie could have tried to tackle the the family drama of it or could have tried to insert Dean as a potential love interest for the mom to bring the whole family together yeah. with the love or like, giant. Or like doing like more that like we're both outsiders and yeah. then doing a rap battle or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, yeah, it just, keeps the focus tight yeah. up. Mm-hmm. It's never going for a home run. It's just always trying to get on base and it does so like every time. Yeah. yeah. And, but in the end, that will, that will still win you games. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah. So that's, yeah. that's good. But yeah, I, I am glad that it didn't dive into any of that other like heavy. There's already enough heavy themes in this now, knowing all of the the backstory. Mm-hmm. You could see it on screen too, but I think it would have been a lot worse had we tried to have too many side plots of like it was good to just have hide the robot, uh, annoy the shit out of Kent. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I was fine with that. Those two, those two pieces. 
I love the montage of Kent asking him questions when he first stayed there. Hey, cowboy. Hey, trooper. Hey, scout. Hey, slugger. (laughs) All those old-fashioned nicknames just in quick succession. Like, they're funny in the moment, but then in quick succession, just hearing slugger, pal, sport, shorty. Like, all those things, just like, okay, dude. Yeah. <laughs> and he's always has, he always has something in his hand, too. He's got, like, a sandwich and, like, like, a pipe, and it's... Oh, he's on the phone, he's like, hey, slugger. Just, yes. Yeah. I love an animation when a sandwich, like, has flopped to it. Oh, yeah. I was something about that where, like... <laughs> no panini press in 1957. Yeah, just... But that's the thing, like, you would never shake a sandwich in real life, much the way you wouldn't shake an ant farm. Um, but... <laughs> something about, in animation, someone talks with their hands with oh, a yeah. sandwich, like... Normally you'd see juices flying and like mayonnaise everywhere, and lettuce you know hitting you in the face. But just something about a sandwich. It's so good. I, I agree. Flapping, like, Great stuff. It just looks at the integrity of the sandwich. It's on a string. It's yeah. just ready to let it fly out. Just but yeah, good, just good, strong animation work. Yeah. She made it. She made a whole mess of like craft mac and cheese. I don't know if you saw what they were eating for dinner, but it just looked like that was the only thing on the table. Yeah. yeah. Which was really funny because then they have the line of like, "That's why you should chew your food." I'm like, dude, they have macaroni and cheese right now no chewing necessary yeah. that's going right like, down and yeah. right out if it needs to slide, slide right down yeah. yeah no need for chewing here. yeah kent has another line as he's driving away and hogarth has just corrected him like my name is hogarth and he gets in the car he's like hogarth what a stupid name who would do oh, that yeah. to their kid it's like, so oh, I forget what the other name he says was. It'd be like it'd be like naming something like Tanderson or some like some ridiculous <laughs> thing. Like, like some other crappy name, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I also love how his realization in that moment of what the gun says, like the trampled broken gun, where he thought the way he said it was like he thought the gun said like Hog Q. Yeah. Like, no, dude, it's clearly a first name and a last name. Although I guess Hogarth being a strange first name, you wouldn't think of that, but. Yeah. You know. Hogahoo. Yeah, yeah, something like Hog, that. Hogahoo. Oh, Hogarth Hughes, damn it. <laughs> if only I had thought this through. Yeah. I like when originally when he gets into his car and he just. He, <laughs> oh, the, 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 the bite the bi- is completely out of the car. Yeah. Yeah, he's like, oh my God. Yeah, <laughs> it's I, like, I like that the... classic Christopher McDonald, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I like the way that it's animated too because it's almost like the camera pulls back even though it's, you know. Yeah, it has like a like, snap zoom out or whatever, yeah. And you just see that the car's half, it's gone. And then it's completely gone. Yeah, the like, guy's it's like start, we, we're in the car and then whoop. It's great, too, because he definitely would have heard a chunk being eaten out of his car. He didn't walk that far yeah. from it. But the fact that he was entirely confused, had no idea it was happening, until he got into the car is just great. Yeah. <laughs> and I forget when he's in the mayor's office, something happens, and he's like, I need to borrow your car. <laughs> I forget what... <laughs> oh, um... That's when he first uh, the train crash happens. Yeah, the train crash. Oh, okay, right. And the 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 secretary is saying, "They saw what?" And he hops on the phone and hangs it up. He says, "I need your car." And then you see him. He takes a down. lot of walkie talkies and phones out of people's hands in this movie. Yeah. Very forceful man. Yeah. He knows exactly what he wants, even if it's even if it's wrong. That was a really intense walkie talkie grab at the end too, where he like, that was yeah. The the way that they did it, where like his head just took up the whole entirety of the screen because it like zoomed in on him, and he's just got the walkie talkie and he's saying, "Scream, fire us now!" Good stuff. Very angry man. But I like seeing him get his comeuppance at literally every turn. And literally, when he if he takes a turn right, goes right yeah. on the, yeah. the the foot. I'm out of here. <laughs> uh, I want to live. I don't care about this country. <laughs> 
I also loved when he's he's on the phone to the general, who's just like sitting in his room with all of his trophies and like on the wall and the all bear that. rug, the Capitol building in the yeah, back. Yeah, exactly. All right, tell me again what you saw, but listen to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> He does the, like, hand drag over the face. He's like, as a giant metal man monster. <sighs> yes. He's <laughs> losing yourself, dude. You're out of control. I do. The animation in this is so, so good. good. It's I really feel good, like yeah. I just have to circle back to it. I first noticed it with the flashlight work in the woods. I could see you start, like, yeah, that, scribbling. Yeah, the flashlight work is so good because of how quickly he's moving it through. And side note, the way he affixed that flashlight to his musket or whatever, it definitely would have shot the end of the flashlight had he pulled the trigger because the the flashlight like it looks like a satellite coming out. Yeah, it, it gets just, way it bigger at, the, out end. at the end. Yeah, yeah, it wouldn't have worked. It's not a not a verified attachment for that rifle. <laughs> Um, but yeah, when he's walking through the woods and he's shining in every which way and the, great. the light is perfectly spotlighted on everything it needs to be, great stuff. Yeah. Yeah. This movie does a good job of filling you with dread the first time you see the Iron Giant mm-hmm. in the ocean. You know, it's already scary because there's these big waves, they're in the middle of a storm, the boat crashes, you don't know what you're looking at. Second time we see him with Hogarth in the woods at the power plant that sequence of him tangled up in the wires too is so good like scary for me as an adult Mm -hmm. loud and just looks good too and yeah the sound of it's really good and again it just i maybe because i when i watched i probably watched it on a tube tv with like a mono speaker (laughs) but um it sounded really good and you felt like the weight of like every step and the the metal crunching, whatever all the falling work they did with this was great. Mm-hmm. Um, so when he, like when he turns the power off and you just hear the creaking, creaking, and then slamming into the ground as it right. falls over. Mm-hmm. When I heard the cable, I just heard like the Jurassic Park cable yeah, snapping like- in the fence. Yeah, but uh, yeah, animation's really good. But the the framing and the camera the camera movements mm-hmm. yeah. are really good in this and really smart and really thought out. Yeah, I think there was one right at the end that I really enjoyed, which is when. I don't remember what's happening. I don't know if remember the missile's coming or what, but Hogarth kind of steps forward and he kind of has like almost like a power stance and it's shot from underneath him. So you just see a completely different perspective than you've seen of him the whole time because he's always either being looked down on or looked straight on. Yeah. And it's just like the way that they changed the perspective of the character, like made him seem powerful and smart because he's in charge of the situation essentially now because he's got the Iron Giant in his pocket that stuff was good too. yeah i mean the framing does there's a lot of really good dramatic moments that are framed really well but a lot of like funny moments too where like the iron giant jumps into the lake or whatever and it just like dean like the back of dean just sitting with the newspaper or whatever just looking up this huge wave coming up at him that was that's good stuff yeah and he's flipping over inside of the oh water. that's oh. so good with dude coming down the, the road fish. <laughs> Hey, what You're is that guy pulling? Out? I know. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yup. Thank you. It's like, oh, it's damn beatniks. Yeah. Just getting high in the middle of the road, doing whatever they want. Yeah. The the diner sequence when the squirrel gets loose, too, and all the different uh, patrons, Chaos. like, crashing into mm-hmm. one another and things flying. Yep. I mean, the oven mitt bit is a great piece of camera work because it just pans slightly to reveal the Just oven. to reveal it, yeah. yeah. And you're like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, it almost felt like Looney Tunes-esque of, okay, you've just watched this thing happen. It didn't go well for the character that you watched happen to. 
Now look at this zany thing six inches to the left that you had no idea was there before. And now the scene gets worse for normally it's our hero, but I guess it's this douche. A lot lot of good reveals, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's somewhat intentional. They did, in thinking about the art design they and the animation style, they looked at, you know, animation from the 50s, so things like 101 Dalmatians, I think you can see mm-hmm. in Kent's design in particular. Oh, um, yeah. But, he looks just like um, the, uh, the dude. The guy. That yeah. guy. The one who has Pongo. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Pongo's friend. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they looked at, you know, Chuck Jones's Looney Tunes cartoons. Mm-hmm. Um but also the work of Norman Rockwell and um, Edward Hopper, that sort of thing. A lot of like like the atomic bomb sort of like propaganda shit from like the fifties. Oh, well, yeah. wait a minute! A lot of that stuff. The um, the little video that they're watching, oh yeah, getting under the, the desk or whatever. There, yeah, and like the whole Earth is collapsed beneath her, but the desk is like. Just got her. That was the only song of the number that we got. That I, was I forget all we what it was, but it was like, get under your desk, grab your knees, and just yeah. like, <laughs> oh, hands over your head, head. under your the desk. desk. <laughs> um, Won't save you. No. <laughs> Which is a great line at the end when Kent is like, it'll be fine. We'll just go hide under some desk. And the general's like, that does not. <laughs> yeah. And Kent's like, but what? <laughs> Do you mean these drills we've been doing do not work? Which is something that we all know looking back on. Be like, guys, you were yeah. so stupid. You thought getting under your desk was going to stop the atomic bomb. Like, you guys were dumb. Right, right. <laughs> you dumb, you dumb. Dumb old people. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I, I love that line. They're like, no, I won't do shit. Can yeah. You? It's like, well, what about the fallout shelter? No time. Won't do anything. Not when an atomic bomb explodes right here. Right. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, the whole vibe, the whole color palette is right out of those propaganda posters. The design of the robot is very, like, that retro 50s future, the Tomorrowland aspects of things. And you see it kind of referencing back and forth with the the B-movie that he's watching on television the night that he goes out. The Attack of the Brain Eaters or whatever. The, yeah. yeah. Um, it looked like a good movie. Mm-hmm. And- <laughs> it did look it was. It's kind of like the what is it like in Home Alone, Angel with Dirty Souls. Like, I just want to see that as well. Yeah. Yep. Again, this 30th anniversary or whatever box set in 2029 is gonna be so good. It's yeah. gonna slap. <laughs> um, and you know the the comic books that yeah. he shows him too. And it's great. It was like real things, like Mad Magazine, like the first experience of uh, appearance of Superman, or something. Yeah, the action. It, was comics. that like the first Superman action comics? Uh, yeah, Superman comes from action comics. No, yeah, I know. I that. don't I was... know if that. I I don't think that cover was the specific. I think the one. first one. It's like him just with like it's holding, holding a car. A car. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's that same. Like, granted, it's a '30s car because it's from the '30s. But it's still kind of that like big, round, bulky Cadillac type thing, which is what they're still driving in the '50s. So I really thought we were gonna get a. He holds up a car kind of homage to that first one, but I didn't see anything that like really stood out to me as being like, oh, okay, that's what they were going for with that shot is the homage to right. that first issue. But no, it was cool. I don't think a Tom I don't know if a Tomo is a real a real one or not. I'm just seeing things from the Iron China, anything saying like a Tomo, which you saw is a real thing, and here's who wrote it and what year it came out and everybody loves it. Nothing like that. But no, the Mad Magazine stuff was cool, and the yeah. Superman and everything. And I like that he went through, and when he puts the big S from the like gas station sign on his chest or whatever, it's great. Oh, I'm super bad. What did you think about the first time when his eyes sort of like turned red? 
Oh, to like kill mode or whatever. Yeah. That was cool because again, I didn't, I didn't know that he had these other features. I really thought that it was just going to be, he's a big giant metal man from space, and that's enough to be scary. Like he doesn't have to have gun. Like you could still reference the gun metaphor even if he doesn't have projectile powers. No, oh, yeah, he can just King Kong it and crush things. Exactly, yeah. which is what I thought we were going more for is a King Kong style vibe to it basically the opposite of an et where instead of having a small little friend from outer space he's got a giant friend from outer space and like but that would be enough to cause panic and cause the military intervention and all these different things so when it turns out that he did have a battle mode that even just was referenced with the the ray gun which i love that effect too of like those spinny light old-fashioned ray gun toys kind of glitching out because those things are just they create sparks like that's just what they are Mm -hmm. and that was enough to trigger his like defense mechanism i thought that was really cool and something again completely unexpected yeah and i like that we get a rational adult response i don't know why i just feel like sometimes like dean's response is like we are no although i guess he flips back later on well he realizes really quickly that like oh shit the kid was pointing a gun at him these guns, not realistic looking. Like, it doesn't look like any other gun. It doesn't look like the gun that Hogarth carried into the woods or anything. Mm-hmm. But light shows everything yep. to the giant. Maybe that it is what guns look like in outer space. Yeah. Wherever he came. Right. And then it begins to snow, and Dean's first thought is, I gotta grab my motorcycle. <laughs> like, I, I have the vehicle for us. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't strike me as the car type. Well, he was driving one before, I think. Or did he always have a bike? Oh, he has the pickup truck. He's yeah, the, yeah, the tow truck, yeah. Yeah, which would be too slow to track down this giant monster. Although I did love the tow truck scene where he's the guy selling him the tractor with the bike taken. He's like, I'd give you more, Fred, but, I mean, this is bike taken. That's why I'm selling it. There's a bike taken. <laughs> <laughs> Every interaction with an old person in this movie is spot on. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah, when they're talking about, like, the whiskey and beer comment in the beginning about that guy oh, yeah. telling his tall tale of robots in the sea. And then he's like, I saw it. And they're like, yeah, see? The the druggie over here is Debbie Beatnik saw it, of course. It's definitely, in, you were intoxicated, you weirdo. Yeah. <laughs> Gross old-timey ship captain. <laughs> that wasn't it that he got saved, though. I, I, was, I wasn't sure what was going to happen when that boat capsized at the very beginning. But, I know. Yeah, I couldn't remember either. Yeah. So I was like, oh, am I going to see like a hand come down and scoop him up? And that would be kind of the first heroic thing that we see. We don't see him do it. So there's still ambiguity throughout the rest of the movie that like, okay, maybe it was just coincidence that he was saved and not intervention from this big robot man who could still be evil, mm-hmm. even though yeah. us watching it now knows it's, it's not like we, that like, Yeah, thing. yeah. We can't kill anyone in this movie, but we'll kill a deer. Oh, that was sad. And yeah. that, was probably, that was probably the saddest part of the movie, to be honest with you. Yeah. Deers dying in animation. Always very sad. <laughs> yep. Like, if you're a deer, don't be in a cartoon. Yeah. Just don't. Yes, yeah, It doesn't work out. Um, yeah, but that that leads into... The whole gun the, thing. The, that sequence, which I really loved, and that's where I got like a little... Oh, mm. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> um, because the giant, as well as being cool and having lots of features, is very emotive and expressive mm-hmm. and does... You know, make you feel very sympathetic right off the bat. Like we joked about his doodle of him sad in the forest, but I was—it's—it works. You just had just like just a little tilt, just, just a 
straight metallic frown. Oh, so good. I mean, Ogre's a good drawer because he does the other one where he's eating the like scaffolding or whatever. Yeah. That was a pretty good drawing, too. Mm-hmm. The most emotive scene that I liked was when the giant thinks that Hogarth is dead because he moves him like he moved the deer. There's no response. There's no nothing. So in his mind, because again, he's like a child, I guess, of this instance. We don't know what he knows of death or is there death on his planet or what have you. And so just to see the two like limp bodies of things on this planet that he's seen, one of which was dead, leads him to believe this one is dead. And he lets out that like, it's not a howl, it's not a sob, but it's got that metallic sound to whatever, you know, yeah. pain groan that he has. Well, he's like shaking his head, he's doing yeah. like his, yeah. He's, he's hunched over, he's on his knees, and he's just completely vulnerable to where he doesn't see any of the people with guns, and he's just absolutely devastated for the loss of his friend. And that, that I think, was sadder than him going off for the big final sacrifice. Even though I knew that there was sad stuff in it, I did not think Dead Boy was going to be the sad thing. So I was fairly confident that he was going to wake up and help save the day. But still, in that moment, they did a really good job animating and sound designing that uh, that pain and anguish. On yeah. Robot. Yeah, I liked how he almost... Every time he thought he saw a gun or whatever, he tried to like cover his eyes or whatever. He, oh, he like yeah. picked, picked yeah. up pretty early on that uh, was a bad thing. Yeah, I mean, he didn't want to fight back against yeah. the Jets because he yeah. felt like he felt the... Felt it coming on. Yeah. And it was just like, Ooh. And I like how he snapped. Every time he came back out of it, he like snapped out of it like, oh shit, what did I do? Like, I just blacked out. Did mm-hmm. I kill anybody? Like, really hope I didn't kill anybody. Yeah. Poor yeah. Iron Giant. <laughs> no, I mean, to what to your point, I mean, it, it, that's probably a huge hurdle that they had was trying to how are we going to make people feel for a robot because you don't see... Like human eyes or animal eyes or things that we usually have a connection with. Mm-hmm. But they did a really good job with it. Yeah. And I think a lot of times nowadays, especially in the CG world, the robot would have some kind of like LCD screen face where it could still have show smiles and normal. Well, yeah. You got things like Wally, which it did a really big, these big eyes. Yeah. And... Well, I mean, the Iron Giant's got the big eyes too. Right. Um, but, so like, big eyes only got a small thing. That's why something like, like a Baby Yoda like, worked so yeah, spectacularly. Exactly. Because the big eyes and small things, people just have a soft spot. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what it there's is. A, there's a primal drive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To protect yep. small things with big eyes. Yeah. 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 They got to protect this Furby. Just like... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At all costs. Yeah. No, that thing, well, that thing has a, that has battle mode as well. Yeah. So I don't think you have to worry about that per, per se. Um, but that was, that was good. I did like, in terms of the design of the robot, speaking of his eyes, I liked the, like the way they rotated closed. So like, like an could, iris on a camera. Yeah. Yeah. So like he still had the ability to do like a half eye closed thing to show some emotions and watching it like go to sleep and wake up or come back from being exploded and wake up and you just see that like the twist of the two panels i thought that was really cool and it wasn't necessarily camera where you see it go like very small to very open like it wasn't the same mechanic because that would have felt too recognizable this was something where it did seem different it did seem almost otherworldly because it's not yeah i'm thinking more like when he went into like gun mode like that's what it looked like the iris oh yeah yeah yeah. but yeah you're right what you're saying it just the eyes rotated into these certain things where 
it'd be like half a, you know, it'd be like a like half moon almost, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And see, I didn't notice, it didn't bother me in the battle mode thing, because I'm like, oh shit, he's doing, like, he's got insta-kill going on right now. Like, what's, ooh, I gotta, I gotta be weary of this, I'm not paying attention to how the eye got to that, other than, like, it's red now, and shit's about to go down. <laughs> so Red is danger. <laughs> yeah. Even in the 50s, they know that's bad. Yeah. It's not what you want. Yeah. And the overall design, I think, is great. Again, it's that retro 50s future of, it's got a lot of curves, but it's also got, you know, the angular nature of it. It feels very akin to those, like, 50s Cadillacs and those 50s kind of cars where it didn't have wings, per se, but it had a lot of, like, the, you know, the, I can't even think of the word, but, like, on his shoulders, he's got almost, like, rows of metal Mm -hmm. that aren't fins, per se, but they kind of have that Those, like, dips and waves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't think we touched on it yet, but the... The score, I thought, was great. I mean, Very good, we talked yeah. about the camera work, kind of giving that foreboding nature, that ominous kind of vibe to it. And the music plays right into that. The composer, uh, Michael Kamen, we looked up his IMDb before. He's got a ton of good stuff. All the diehards, all the lethal weapons, Last Action Hero, a bunch of stuff from the 90s um, that he did. He, was, uh, he worked with Pink Floyd on The Wall, the movie, which is out there um so a lot of cool stuff from him but i i really like the score in this because it really it conveys everything it needs to but it never feels like it's overpowering the scene or taking me out of it because i'm listening to the music and not paying attention to the movie like it just it's the perfect accompaniment to what we're watching yeah i thought it was rather good for most of it it really like got really good for me the score once like the military showed up and you had that classic military score Kind of what John Williams always did with just, like, bad guys showing up or something like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the whole sequence with the town and everything and the music swelling, like, that's where it was, like, a like a home run for me. If we talk about any home runs in the movie, that's where it kind of, the peak was really good. Yeah. I like the, when you're around Dean, it gets a little jazzy. It gets a mm-hmm. little. It gets it gets, hip. It gets a little hip. Yeah, I think he's even listening to some, like, jazz stuff. In his apartment, house, whatever, office, shack. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's got Shop, whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's just nailing the character. Because, like, you know who this guy is. He's this beatnik, 50s hippie. That's what he's going to listen to. Like, that's the vibe. That's everything about it plays out. Every part of the character's biography, what we know and what we don't know, kind of all gets put together in a really unique way for each of them. And, you know, Hogarth has this an upbeat kind of score to him when he's on screen because he's childlike wonderment and imagination and all these other things. Now, are there sequels? Have they tried sequels? It's a question I, Brad Bird gets asked pretty frequently. Well, now that he's made Incredibles 2, they can move on to asking when you're making Iron Giant 2. I think yeah. it was... He was going to get that question on one or the other until at least one sequel. Right. Yeah, and his answer has been the... It's its own film. The story is complete. Oh, I mean, I I agree. I yeah. just I don't like. Yeah, whether you, it's you really how, have to yeah. grasp for a reason but, to bring it back. Yeah, but who knows? Like, so there is know, a what, sequel book. Yes, there is. That was published in 1992, I believe. Yeah, 93. It's a sequel to the 68 novel. It is also written by Ted Hughes, um, so that continues, and it's called The Iron Woman. And the Iron Woman comes to take revenge on mankind for its thoughtless polluting of the seas, lakes, and rivers. So whereas 
this movie, I assume the book as well, is about gun violence. This one's about global warming. So, I uh, yeah, it's only gotten more relevant. Uh, yeah, but I I mean the movie is just yeah, it's a great standalone movie. Yeah. Doesn't need to be touched. Yeah, doesn't need a sequel. And I mean, based on what I'm reading right here, this seems like the book sequel is more of an attack like more of a hit piece on society than it is a uplifting and uh, <laughs> yeah well that, i mean it says yeah. here ted hughes's novel is an attempt at getting people to be made aware and respond to all of the different habitats that are on the brink of destruction and the book is more of an attack on society for the oblivious ways in which for many decades those habitats have been destroyed or are on the way to being so cutting down the rainforest polar ice caps melting I think now would be the time if you wanted to adapt this book and kind of make it in the same vein, but I don't think it would play well. I think everyone would think of it as a cash grab, even though it's based on an existing thing, and it would just seem like it's like, oh, you're too woke, and mm-hmm. look, yeah. you've made the Iron Giant a woman now, how dare you? It's all about the... Like, you know that everyone would immediately jump to that conclusion and there'd be 50 comments in every article right. like no actually th- this existed before and it doesn't matter Iron Giant's a woman now this is out of control yeah, yeah. voiced by Greta Thunberg <laughs> <laughs> well she could do a good Iron Giant voice I feel like there you go um alright so we'll get to writing that yep <laughs> get the treatment up very very soon patent pending <laughs> We'll buy, the, we'll buy the rights to the book. But yeah, in terms of this movie, I don't... Even though they clearly set it up for the potential, because it's not ambiguous that the giant is alive and can be put back together, I don't want to see further adventures of Hogarth and the giant. If the giant was used to save some other little boy's hopes and imaginations and dreams, mm-hmm. okay, maybe. I mean, I guess it would depend on the story. I think you'd have to have him save an Icelandic kid now or a Norwegian kid and then get blown up at the end of that one and go save a South American kid or whatever. Like, I don't... Yeah, it would have to... Yeah, It would just have to not be. Yeah. Is really what it would need to be. Yeah. I th- at the time, you could have wrote an entire series of books mm-hmm. where, like, that happens and he goes off to different lands and helps kids all over the world like a Santa Claus. Yes. Um... But now that those don't exist, don't try. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it didn't help it that it was one of the last films to be sort of, you know, not not the last film, but to be hand-drawn or computer, like, yeah. 2D. Like, it doesn't, right at the end. It doesn't help it, like, because now the, no, we're not going to revisit that idea now. Yeah. Like, if it was if it was done Pixar style, then yeah, I, 100% it would probably be another Iron Man 2. Or actually, Iron Giant. We <laughs> <laughs> don't need any more Iron Man. Teams. Yeah, yeah, no more. One. There's one. One is enough. Yeah, and I do the hand drawn element gives this movie such it's, a, it's a awesome. flavor and character mm-hmm. that I don't think can be emulated with a more modern animation style that's not hand-drawn right yeah i mean you could do the hand-drawn style in the computer which is obviously how they that's how they did this here with uh, I think it was called caps yeah. right yeah, yeah, yeah. but it just wouldn't and especially because the aesthetic is based so much on those graphic design posters and pamphlets of the 50s if you tried to do too much or add too much depth to it or like you know showed the iron giant in a 360 spin kind of like it just it would it would 
break from the spirit of what the whole design aesthetic is, and it would take you right out of it. I it might take you out of it, it but yeah. I think it would just because I'm like, okay, the you're disconnecting from what this is based on too far for your own good. You're not taking the heart and soul out of it necessarily, but you're really not understanding why this works so well on the whole. It's because every single piece works exactly how it's supposed to. If any one of these things were off, it would take this movie down several notches Mm -hmm. to where, like, if the score wasn't as good, it wouldn't work. If the design didn't match the 50s vibe, it wouldn't work. If the animation style was too three-dimensional and he's, you know, robots doing flips and all these different things and... You know, you're going into the circuit boards of the to watch the battle mode happen. Like you'd see synapses firing and all these different things, and that wouldn't work because it's not that '50s Atomic Age vibe to it. So, yeah, I don't, I don't trust anybody <laughs> creatively <laughs> to be able to pull off anything that would feel satisfying enough in this day and age. Outside of anime, like what is like the last major hand drawn or caps produced? It was a wasn't there a Princess and the Frog or something like that? Yeah, Princess that was the like the Frog was like Disney's last last attempt to go back to yeah at feature length. Mm-hmm. Miyazaki, who like well, I yeah, guess. exactly. Studio Ghibli or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah, um, what was that movie? Was Loving Vincent? I feel like that was rotoscope yeah. more so than it was. Hand- I didn't see it, mm-hmm. um, and I mean, there's smaller stuff that you know we'll get nominated for oscars but nobody realistically saw it yeah there's stuff out of um i think there was one this year honestly and i don't remember the name of the movie but i saw something previous that they did called the secret of the kells which is it's an irish studio uh, and they just had something that was nominated this year cartoon saloon Hmm. and wolf walkers was the name of the the movie last year and it's like irish folk tales and stuff like that um, Secret of the Kells is actually a really good movie. I didn't see Walkers, but this is again a, a 2D. So again, people still do it. It's just the 3D stuff sells so much more that yeah, it's hard to go back. And I don't, you know, Princess and the Frog. I still haven't actually seen it, but it didn't do nearly as well as any of the Pixar movies at the time, right. or any of them since. So Disney was like, okay, we can still make Disney movies that aren't Pixar movies. Like, we'll still do our own thing. And that's where we get your Wreck-It Ralphs, your Tangled, your Frozen. Those are, like, the Disney versions of those, but still using the 3D style. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, every all of the people, I think, our age and maybe a little younger to, again, older than us, mm-hmm. still have that affinity for the hand-drawn animation. It's what made them fall in love with animated movies. It's what they grew up watching. It's what they know. And, you know, some of the soul gets taken out a little bit with the computer stuff, but the same amount of work goes into it. Oh, yeah, 100%. Whatever lets the artists be creative and get that stuff Mm -hmm. out there, like, I'll go see it. But it would be nice to have a break every once in a while to go see something a little more traditional, a little more uh, old school. I mean, South Park is honestly probably the closest thing we have to a concurrent non-3D animation like thing besides, you know, and like, well, yeah, Sim, Simpsons and another Simpsons still going on, but even that is like a little bit more like 3D than it 3D, used to be. 3D, like they're doing it, they have like the elements that are 
Yeah, it doesn't you know, have like the beards like, and body of Daria, where they're just like the body just like squirt with the the borders of their their arms are shaking. I, yeah, I was looking at someone posted something on Twitter like comparing, you know, how Homer looks in the early seasons. Like, granted, it was early; things are like a little bit sketchier. But just in earlier seasons, some of the jokes were like he would never be looking directly on at someone, and the way that he's hand drawn is just a little bit off, and it makes the joke funnier. Whereas mm-hmm. now he's like. Homer looking upward to the left. Yeah. Like, you can... They have, they, yeah, they have like, these sameness. built-in cells in the computer, per se. Yeah, it's an asset, yeah. not a character. Yeah. Right. Where before, like, every cell was unique. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah, you that, could put those imperfections in there. You could put exactly. these... Like, the scribble on his hair always looked different. You know yeah. what I mean? It wasn't... Here, it's, probably, here it's a copy and paste. Yeah, now it's probably... They just put, like... M G and then <laughs> right, right. <laughs> they take the idea of it and it's just Comic Sans <laughs> yeah. over yeah. his ears. But yeah, I mean, I would like to see more. Just you know, I would like to seek out maybe in terms of the Iron Giant. Like, are there maybe comic books, graphic novels that continue it? It doesn't. I wasn't able to see anything like that. Like, I wouldn't mind other stories. Like, I as terrible as it is to even put out there, like. If there was an Iron Giant prequel where we find out about his society, like, does he come from a planet full of robots? Yeah, let's go to his Krypton. Yeah, was he built by scientists who are human-like or, you know, humanoid alien? I would probably seek that out because it wouldn't necessarily – it wouldn't have any effect whatsoever on the existing movie because I don't think – you can do like the solo aspect of like, okay, here's how the Iron Giant got gun mode. Like, yeah, yeah. here's how the Iron Giant like An Iron got Giant this story. famous Iron Giant thing. Yeah, because he doesn't really have that. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it would impact this movie whatsoever. But it would be kind of cool to see a different, you know, take that character that people love and put it in a different scenario that doesn't cheapen necessarily the the character arc in this movie. Yeah, just build more lore or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I'm all for lore building. Like, that could be cool. That would be the only way I'd go watch something else Iron Giant related, is if it was so far removed from that. I wouldn't even want to see, like, a, oh, the Iron Giant got frozen in Norway and was thawed out in 2022, and here's him. In Times Square. Yeah, I don't want to see that. Yeah. I don't need that. That's not what this movie's about. Yeah, no. Go backwards, Uncle Farmer. Back, yeah. Yeah. Because then you could have a cool retro 50s world that it all comes from. You know, with the Art Deco and all these different, you know, vibes to a Mars or Jupiter or whatever made-up planet they want to say he's from. But that's it. Yeah. This is nice, though. I'd like to add more animated movies to the the list. Yeah, we got some on there. I mean, Bridget mentioned Akira earlier. I have not seen that. Yeah. Uh, Mm -hmm. Long-time listeners of the podcast. From the Gamescast days will know that I loathe anime. John and I would always talk about anime and anime-related games and... Anime to me has always been it's a bunch of kids fighting demons on their way home from school. Like that's what every anime <laughs> is. I know that's not right, but yeah. that's the that's the bit. So we will do we will do Akira at some point. Maybe like a Ghost in the Shell or something. We'll probably have John come back on for that uh, as the most anime person, one of the most anime persons I know. So yeah, we've got some some other ones on there that are definitely things I missed from those rebellious teenage years of mine. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. Sassy t-shirts and everything. No thanks. Yeah. So there's definitely some on there. So we'll definitely get some more animated films and maybe wanna, some of these newer ones that Yeah, I definitely want to find seen. someone who hasn't seen a Don Bluth movie. That'd be a fun one. Yep. Yeah. Exciting stuff. Yeah. 
So anything else that you guys have that you want to talk about the Iron Giant or anything else that we want to get to before we wrap things up? No, just had a lot of fun with it. No. It's a brisk, fun 90 minutes. Yeah. Good. Just good, classic family family film. Nice. All right. Well, that'll do it then for this week's episode of Fine, I'll Watch It. Remember, you can find every episode of Fine, I'll Watch It every Thursday morning at 9 a.m. on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, and Spotify. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at Broken Clock Pods. So let us know what you think of The Iron Giant. What do you think of Brad Bird's filmography? Do you like his animated movies? Do you like his live action movies? Do you want to see any kind of sequel or prequel? Any other medium? Have you read the book? Have you listened to the Pete Townsend album, which I will be listening to? Have you read The Iron Woman? Let us know on Facebook and Twitter at Broken Clock Pods. Uh, But once again, for fine, I'll watch it. My name is Adam. I'm Johnny. And I'm Bridget. And thanks so much for listening.